Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We lift our voices to you this morning. Lord, for you are worthy of all praise and adoration and worship this morning. Lord, what a joy it is to gather as your people this morning to sing to you. Lord, I pray that you would open your word to us this morning as we go through this lesson, and I pray that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged in our worship to you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, welcome back. Glad you came back. So this morning, we're going to be talking about singing. Last week, we, uh, we talked about different disciplines in our, in our walk with the Lord that, that are part of worship such as prayer, meditating on Scripture, preaching the Word, life. Life is worship, right? Was that on your mind this week? Life is worship. Everything you do is worship. So this week we're going to take a look at singing and proclaiming. But first, I want to take a few minutes to recap, test your knowledge, see who was awake last week, and uh, get some feedback from you guys. So, last week I gave you three points. Don't look at your notes. I put blanks there, but I think the words are hidden in there somewhere. So, what was the first point? We were... Mm, sorry. <laughs> sorry. We were... We were created to worship. I just blew that. So, we're here for purpose. We saw a Tozier quote last week that we were made for a single purpose, and that purpose is to honor and worship the Lord with our lives. And God made us to daily walk with and commune with Him. We took a look at how it used to be in the garden, how God intended our lives to be, how God intended worship to be. I'm not going to blow this one. We were commanded. commanded, almost did it. We are commanded to worship. <clears throat> we saw that God commands us to declare His greatness and majesty, His excellency. We saw that in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And also Colossians three seventeen. whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then the third one was, we are compelled to worship. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, we are compelled to worship Him. And by remembering what uh, He has done for us in the past, remembering who He is, we are compelled. By remembering what God is presently doing in our life and what He has planned for us and that He holds every aspect of the future, we are compelled to worship Him with our lives. So, great job. Uh, this week, I want us to see that living a life of worship includes singing. So, believe it or not, to some level or some degree, we are all singers. I think we proved that this morning. Beautiful singing this morning. And God loves when His people sing to Him. Let that sink in, that God loves to hear you sing, right? Right? 
It's because he's a singing God. And we'll see that in some of the verses we'll go through this morning, that, that our God sings. So it only makes sense that he created us to sing, right? So for the believer, singing is a biblical response to the Lord. I believe that's one of your blanks. Singing is a biblical response to the Lord. And I believe that's true no matter your skill level, right? No matter your skill. I hear people oftentimes say, just making a joyful noise. Just make, praise God, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? Psalm 40, verse 3 says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. So let's think about that verse for just a second. When He saves us and He redeems us, He adopts us, we become new creatures in Christ, right? So as a new creature in Christ, we have been given a new song to sing. No longer are we singing our own selfish songs. No longer are we singing the songs of this world. But as a new creature in Christ, we have been giving by Him a new song, praises to our God. So in your notes, you'll see quite a few verses that are examples of singing in Scripture. And we're going to be in the Old Testament and New Testament. So let's take a look at the first few. The Psalms are filled with a call to join the psalmist in declaring the greatness of God. Psalms 149, verse 1, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Psalm 33, Shout for joy to the Lord. O you righteous, praise befits the upright. Psalm 96, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. So it's not just us, right? All creation declares the majesty of God, and we get to join in that. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. How about Isaiah 6? In Isaiah 6, we see Isaiah's vision of the Lord, and we also see the seraphim worshiping. And they called to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And then Zephaniah 3.17, I love this passage, love it, because it gives us insight to who God is. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Our God is a singing God, right? Matthew 26, 30, we see Jesus and the disciples singing after the Lord's Supper. And, they, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out. Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas in prison. Acts says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. How cool is that? The prisoners were listening. And then we jump into Revelation. 
Revelation 4, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then in verse 11, they say, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So what I want us to take note of this morning is that singing should be a characteristic of the believer. Not just on Sundays, not just small group. Every day. Every day. Do you find yourself going throughout your day and something comes in your mind? Maybe the doxology, maybe praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Just something to worship the Lord. He created you to do that. So no matter if you're formally trained or if you're a professional noisemaker, God has intended our worship of Him to be vocal. And because of God's work in our lives, we cannot help but worship Him with our voices. So what I want to do now is take a look at how God created us to sing. So your first blank for that point is physically. Probably not the best word, maybe physical, physically something. Uh, God created us to speak and to articulate our words and our thoughts. So be encouraged by, by what the Gettys write. We may sound different, but each of us has the same vocal apparatus. Breath flowing up from our lungs, vibrating through our vocal cords in our throat, and pushing out through the articulators of our mouth, tongues, and lips. We all have been created that way, right? From us in the room to Pavarotti to Sinatra, there's hope. But um, he also created us mentally. Um, So in regards to that, we are able to judge pitch and tone and harmonies, we're able to think through the lyrics that we sing, not just sing what's on a piece of paper. We are able to engage our intellect, our imagination, creativity, emotions when it comes to songwriting and worshiping through the songs that have been written for the church. So the Gettys also write that God has formed our hearts to be moved with depth of feeling and a whole range of emotion as the melody carried truths of who God is and whose we are sink in. So we've been created to lift our voices to the one who created us and who loves to hear us sing. And we can also say with the Gettys, sing because you love the one who made you and formed you and enables you to sing. So earlier I read from Psalm 40. Let's all turn to that passage. If you have your word in front of you, let's go ahead and take that out and turn to Psalm 40. And earlier I read from verse 3 that he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So keep in mind that this passage in Psalm 40 is a song of David. Specifically, it says to the choir master. 
it was meant to be sung. But down in verses 9 and 10, we see David, I'm sorry, not, yeah, we see David say, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the congregation. In that snippet, we see that David is proclaiming God's faithfulness and salvation to who would listen. And he says, I have not restrained my lips. Do we find ourselves restraining our lips? I don't want to sing that. I don't like that song. We have to be careful because all of it is worship to the Lord. So this is exactly what we do when we sing. When we gather together for worship, we remember, we proclaim, and we joyfully sing of God's goodness, faithfulness, salvation, and His other attributes. That's a lot of blanks. Let me repeat that. When we gather to worship, we remember, we proclaim, and we joyfully sing. And we also proclaim the good news of the gospel. But as we all know, in our fallen world, sometimes some churches miss that. It's about entertainment. It's about production. And so by way of example, Ligon Duncan says... There is no part of the worship life more in need of reformation today than congregational singing. That kind of has some weight to it, right? And if we break down this quote from Ligon, I believe the only way we will get congregational singing correct is if our life of worship is correct. And we saw that last week. As we daily walk with and commune with the Lord, our hearts will overflow into vocal worship to Him because that is what God has created us to do. So we've talked about how we were created to sing, but let's also consider what we sing and how we sing and how that truly matters. We see that addressed, and you've got the verse in front of you, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In this passage, we see what we are to sing, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and we also see how we are to sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. You might be asking yourself, well, what is the purpose of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? I'd like to read from Spurgeon on that. He says, it appears that the Apostle Paul thought that psalms and hymns and spiritual songs were to be used for instruction and admonition, as well as for the praises of God. And to my mind, there is no teaching that is likely to be more useful than that which is accompanied by the right kind of singing. Think how compactly truth can be taught 
by means of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and how likely it is to be remembered when they, I'm sorry, when the very measure and rhyme and rhythm help the memory to treasure up the message. We, we remember things almost more easily when things are put to music. I bet right now you can recall songs that you heard a decade ago. You could probably sing most of the, most of the lyrics, right? And so that, it's, it's important for us to sing Scripture and sing songs that are biblical. And we'll, we'll get to more of that in just a second. So by letting the Word of Christ dwell in us, it will not only affect how we live, it will overflow into song, revealing that our theology shapes and informs our doxology. Let me say that again. Our theology shapes and informs our doxology. What does that mean? Anybody want to take a stab? Absolutely. What we think about God shapes our worship of Him. That's exactly right. So if we get our theology correct and we understand the gospel and our relationship with Christ and our life of worship, our doxology or our worship will be correct. And that's why we spent last week building that foundation, a solid foundation of our understanding of worship. Matt Boswell says, and if you don't know Matt Boswell, that name, he's written a lot of the songs that we sing here. Uh, Christ, the sure and steady anchor, um, come behold the wondrous mystery. Uh, And there's a whole plethora of stuff that he has. Fantastic. So he says, without a deep and growing understanding of biblical truth, our worship will be uninformed and weightless. But infused with Scripture, however, the worship of God will be vibrant and filled with gravitas. It will be gospel-soaked and powerful. Now, the next quote I'd like for, to read for you from the Gettys is, is kind of lengthy, but I think it's going to be a challenge for us to think through. They say, every part of a lyric should link together to bring a wonderful, thoughtful, and deep expression of Scripture to every singer, you and I. But don't just sing. Think. What are you singing? How does it point you to Jesus as He reveals Himself in His Word? What truths are being laid on your heart? And how is your singing being used to lay them on the hearts of those around you? Which lines in the lyrics flood you with joy because they move you to consider Christ afresh? And how will you sing them to others and back to yourself this week? What great questions. So I want to ask one of those to you guys this morning. What favorite lyric or maybe a song that comes to mind that moves you to consider Christ afresh this morning? What song, what, what lyric or something has been on your heart even this week? 
my tribute. How can I say thanks? Yeah, my tribute. Fantastic song. Who else? In Christ alone, my hope is found. Absolutely. Did I see a hand? Phil. Did I see another hand? <clears throat> oh, man. Yeah, when Satan tempts me to despair uh, before the throne. For the throne. Yeah, powerful. Powerful. How about it is well? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. He has taken all my sin, and I bear it no more. How about come thy fount? Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, which is a chain used to restrain, right? Bind my wondering heart to thee, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Even though my heart is prone to wonder, I am secure, I am chained to Christ. So I'd like to spend some time now to share with you here at Calvary why we choose the songs that we do. I know oftentimes not everybody gets to see kind of kind of what we do and how we do it, but I think it's important. <clears throat> so we are very particular and intentional and guarded with the lyrics that we sing. Not every song we hear should be sung in, in the congregation. And so I have a few reasons why listed on your, on your outline. The first of which, we choose the songs that we do because of the needs of the church body. We want to be aware and we want to be sensitive to the needs of, of the people of Calvary. In introducing songs, it, it's done for a reason, not simply that we can just toss a bunch of songs in there and, hey guys, we have new songs. It's for a reason. And I remember when we began to sing uh, the song, uh, it's called Sovereign Over Us. It was when our church was walking through the death of our friend, dear friend Dana. We sang the chorus, your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You are with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. What a beautiful text. 
And I remember when we began to sing, Christ is your and steady anchor, it was right before everything went crazy with COVID. Verse 1 says, Christ the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm. When winds of doubt blow through me and my cells have all been torn. In the suffering and the sorrow, when my sinking hopes are few, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. And it's lyrics like these and the ones that you mentioned that help fortify our faith. And it helps us to remember that God is at work and that God is keeping us. So the first point was the needs of the church body. The second point, the lyrical content. We choose songs based on the lyrical content. And content is key. We must sing theologically correct lyrics and avoid that which is vague and unbiblical. We hear stuff on the radio. I know when we talk about this, everybody points to the radio. There's some good stuff out there. There's some vague stuff out there. We have to be careful what we listen to and what we, what we bring into our, our songs here. The third is the singability of a song. If the song is not conducive to congregational singing, it's going to be hard to sing. So the songs must be singable, easy to follow, or else we're going to lose people, or they're going to be distracted, and it just makes things difficult. So next, I'd like to show you how everything is is put together for a service, and this this is the really cool part. We want to present the songs that we do in the right way, not just, hey, here's, here's some songs, let's put them together, yeah, that sounds great, and we have a worship service. So over the years, I've worked to maintain a specific liturgy or flow of songs during our worship services, God, man, Christ response. Can y'all say that? God, man, Christ response. One more time. God, man, Christ response. It's not every Sunday that happens, but 99.9%, it's going to happen that way. God, man, Christ response. And you're probably saying, why? Right? Why is that important? Well, this is a structure that helps us to do a few things. God, man, Christ response. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. This structure helps us to behold our great God, remember our position in Christ, Proclaim what Christ has done and respond in worship to Him. God, man, Christ's response. So for just a second, let's talk about our upcoming service. God, man, Christ's response. Our first song, This is Our God. We believe the Lord our God is one, Father, Spirit, Son. We believe forever He will reign. And I'm just quoting you some of the, some of the lyrics from the songs we'll be singing shortly. So God, and then man, come praise and glorify. We are singing about our relationship with Christ, that in Christ we are pure and we're blameless in His sight. We are adopted, our sins are washed away, and we are redeemed in Christ. God, man, Christ. We'll be singing Ancient of Days, that Christ is reigning over all. There is none above Him, none before Him, none beside Him. His throne will stand forever. God, man, Christ, response. 
response will be, hell the day. We will proclaim, hallelujah, we are redeemed, and the king is on his throne. God, man, Christ response. So if what we sing and how we sing matters, consider this quote that's in your notes from Kevin DeYoung. He says, and this is, this is where, we, where the rubber hits the road in our daily life, pastors, friends, sorry, messed that up, pastors, parents, worship leaders, are you teaching any songs that can be sung a cappella around a hospital bed in 50 years? Wow. Let's think about that. Let that soak in. What kind of foundation are we building with the songs that we sing? And since we were created to worship and to sing, what truths are we proclaiming that are being ingrained in our hearts and our minds and even in the hearts and minds of our little ones? Right? I love to look out and see children singing. I love it when parents say, man, we were singing This Is Our God this week during family worship or small group, and our kids love it. How powerful is that? Let me ask this question to you. Let's fast forward X amount of years and take the scenario of a hospital bed, right? Sorry to go that direction, but Kevin DeYoung did that for us. Um, Around the hospital bed, we're going to be sharing Scripture. We're going to be meditating on Scripture. I'm sure since we're created to sing, we're going to be singing. You know, every situation is different. But what lyrics or songs come to mind that would help us in that situation? Can you think of anything? Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Absolutely. What else? Hmm. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. What else? Great is thy faithfulness. It is well. Amazing grace. How about he will hold me fast? For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransom home to bring. Then anew this song will sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. So what we sing absolutely matters. What we sing absolutely matters. It matters when we're facing a trial or difficulty. It matters when we are tempted to sin. It matters when we are sitting beside a friend who is walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or maybe you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. No matter what the circumstance, singing matters. What comes to mind? Now, this is not to negate the fact that we are to hide God's Word in our hearts so that we might not sin against Him and have God's Word come back when we are walking through whatever season we're walking through, certainly do that. But don't forget that singing is part of it. 
because that's who God has created you to be. You are a worshiper. I am a worshiper. We are His people that lift our voices to worship, excuse me, to worship Him, whether we are with our church family, our family at home, if you have co-workers that you can sing with, praise God. If you're in your car, lift your voice to your King. Lift your voice and worship Him. So the songs we sing must point us to the one who created us to sing, who commands us to sing, and who compels us to sing. As we close, I know we're running short on time, let's hear one more quote from the Gettys. Singing gives voice to a heart that deeply knows the gospel of grace. It is the overflow of a heart captivated by the gospel. I hope you've seen a, a, a theme that has been going through our lesson this morning, the heart. Right? It comes back to our heart. It comes back to, is our theology correct so that our doxology may be correct? How is your heart? Because from that is going to overflow into worship. Is your life overflowing with song to the Lord? He created you to sing to Him, and He loves to hear you sing. Isn't that beautiful? That is a beautiful thing. So, as we close, let's, let's stand and let's sing, Behold Our God.